You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Mottier, and today I have the pleasure to be sharing the microphone with Dan Seabrook, who is the co-host of the B2B Revenue Acceleration show, as well as our VP Worldwide Sales at Operatics. How are you today, Dan? Yeah, very good, thank you. Um, it's uh, end of another long week, but it's been a good one. So yeah, soon, soon the end of quarter to be start of a new one, new absolutely. cycle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and then uh, probably uh, the addition of a couple more grey hairs. Absolutely, absolutely. But today, really, what we 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 wanted to speak about, and the reason why we wanted to have uh, an episode that is uh, with Dan, is because we 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 want to address the topic of outsourcing. We've seen a, a big spike in our services. In fact, a massive spike in terms of demand. Tremendous amount of people coming to our website. Not not all of them being good, and I think Dan will will address that. But basically, we believe that the outsourcing of the BDR, SDR function, LDR function is on the rise. And the best person that I could get on the show to discuss that with me is Dan, simply because he's in the trenches every day, speaking to prospects, speaking to clients, and discussing their, their strategy with them. So let's dive in, Dan, really, and, and, and get into the conversation here. You know, we can speak about COVID-19 and all that. I mean, it is, it is up and down. We are locked down, not locked down. The market is, is, is difficult. It's more difficult to find opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. So then, from, from your perspective, what are the key reasons why businesses are outsourcing more at the moment? Yeah, so I think it's worth starting with the point that when COVID sort of first impacted the, the Western world, let's say, at the beginning of March kind of time, I wasn't actually convinced that we would see a shift towards outsourcing. I actually thought that we could have seen a bit of impact on our business negatively. Um, just because of often, uh, you know, the old adage is that marketing budgets get kept cut first. And, and in a lot of the cases, we're getting paid for by marketing. Having said that, it's kind of been the opposite of that, actually. So I'm sure in some instances, marketing budgets have been cut. I'm sure CFOs are looking at budgets across the board. But what we've benefited from is that there's been um, kind of point one, really, is that there's been a shift of marketing budgets or a repurposing of marketing budgets. So whereas historically marketing teams have spent a lot of their dollars on events and in-person activities, there's clearly been a, a complete reduction or in fact, there is no longer any in-person events or, or, or activities right now. And so they've had to find another way or a solution to generating the same amount of leads and pipeline and revenue because in a lot of cases, their, their targets have stayed consistent. And so where, where we've come in in a lot of those cases is that we are, I guess, a, a remote solution to pipeline generation. And so we, we benefited from that. The second point I would make is there's a, a risk factor that comes with um, hiring teams internally or hiring people internally. Obviously, we're in a bit of an uncertain economy right now in all parts of the world. And there's challenges with recruitment first and foremost. But then once you get that person on board, there's challenges that if the economy takes a turn for the worse, which you know, in many countries it is, there's a challenge as well, will we actually still be able to maintain that person's employment in six months or nine months time? And so there's a kind of de-risk factor, which is you can outsource for a period of time and, and not that we like to see ourselves as, a, as an ad hoc service, but we do bring more flexibility than having an employment contract with, with the person that you have internally. And so I think there's an element of de-risking 
that pipeline generation process. The final point is that, and it kind of is on the same point, is that de-risking piece, which is around, it gives companies, we give companies the ability to test resources before hiring internally. And, and I think we'll probably talk about that more later on. But ultimately, with the ability to run a program for three or six or 12 months, really test if that resource is the right person to work for their business, really build up a run rate of success, get to the point where they trust them, the communication is in the right place. And then it, it may be that at that point in time, the economy is more stable, so they have more confidence. But ultimately, we give companies the, the ability to test success of this kind of function and, and, and process before hiring internally. And again, that, that gives a bit more confidence to uh, CFOs and hiring managers during an unstable economy, whereby they can actually test the success of, a, of, of this function for a three-month or a six-month or a 12-month period before making the decision to, to bring that function internally. And that could tie in with, a, with, a, with an upturn in the economy. So they have more confidence that that's going to be a long-term hire. And it, it also you know, gives them the ability to, to actually be bringing somebody on board that's fully ramped up, trained, and it completely eradicates that, that's, that kind of typical job abandonment or risk factor that you may see with bringing on board a new hire. So they're, they're wide sweeping, no points, but they're, they're some of the key trends I've seen over the last few months. Okay, that, that's, that's very useful. And, you know, I, I guess you are used to the to the normal trends of i want to accelerate my pipeline i want to get to a new region i'm a european company or an israeli company i want to go to the us or vice versa or i'm a us company and i want to grow what i've got in my internal market i've already got an inside team but i want people who are a bit more proactive and all that which are kind of the the usual sales play that you 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 would have had pre covid um how is your message or conversation how are your conversation with prospect changing based on what you just described have, have you seen the expectations of client changing have you had to adapt the way you actually sell and consult with them yeah definitely i think i think what it all comes back to right now in a lot of cases is that we're having to be i guess more like consultative and more like consultants in the sales process so we've always been a i guess a, a, a challenger based or consultative based sales company in, in that sense but what we're seeing is that people that are very experienced marketers or VPs of sales, CROs, clearly they know, they know their job and they know their industry, but they don't really know what's working and not working um, across the market today in a changing economic environment and changing kind of landscape. Um, and so the first thing is that a lot of the time people are coming to us and asking for our advice just in a, in a consultative manner. And, and, and the, the good news about operatic is that we probably have over 110 active technology clients. And so we have the, the advantage of coming at those conversations from almost like a bird's eye view, where we can look down, look across the, the, the market and consult based on what we're seeing working with other companies of a similar, similar size and similar market that they're targeting. Now, when it comes to actually investing in this kind of uh, service, and I'm sure it applies to other sales and marketing services that they're investing in, there definitely seems to be more of a, uh, an urgency here and now to, 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 to get a, a very quick return on investment. And I think what, how that translates in, in our world is that ultimately they want opportunities here and now. And a lot of companies are moving away from a, a kind of challenger-based approach where they want to bring insights and, and, and education to the prospects. And they, they, they're focused on closing business here and now. And again, at Operatics, we, we very much have the 
the challenger-based approach. And what we're trying to do is push back on those companies and actually bring insights to them to, 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 to educate them around what we're seeing working and not working today and enable them to understand that actually trying to have a short-term view on closing business or generating a return in an economic downturn is actually not the most sensible way of looking at things. And in fact, it's still prudent to take a long-term view on sales and marketing development and pipeline generation. And you know, a classic example is, is this week, I've had a couple of conversations with companies where they're coming back after maybe you know, we spoke to them six months ago and they're saying, oh, well, we're, we're desperate to do something now. And we're having to almost push back and say, well, look, you know, we're, we can help you, but we're not magicians. This is something that we can support you with over a three or a six or a nine month period. But it's not something that we can turn the tap on and, and support you to identify opportunities that are going to close today. And so clearly that pressure is coming down from probably a finance team, a CFO, a CEO looking down and saying, well, you must get return quickly from your investment. But what we actually believe is, is almost the opposite. It's, it's, you've got to probably turn your, turn, turn your focus to more, how can you bring insights and education and challenge prospects way of thinking so that actually when they're ready to buy, you're front of queue. And, uh, and, uh, and I think that is definitely a, a changing kind of conversation that we're having. Um, yeah. Over the- it's probably also shifting the way the, the sales team will have to approach the conversation. So I've, I've been in similar conversation where I basically had to say, particularly in the channel where, you know, people want large opportunities and they say, well, well you need to put us in front of deals that are 200, 250K. We need to start that at the, at the C-level, CTO, CIO, CISO of those organizations or CMOs or stuff like that. But what I'm telling them is, that, yeah, we, we can do all that, but just make sure you don't go to the meeting with a brochure under your arm and uh, a PowerPoint presentation of your product. Just make sure that you go to the meeting to have a conversation. It's a fantastic opportunity to have a conversation with people. People are willing to converse because... It's, it's pretty, you know, disruptive what's happening out there. And it's a good time for people to say, hey, look, this is all the issues that we are having. People are feeling more comfortable to speak about their issues because everybody is in the same, is in the same basket here. Yeah? We're all in the same, in, in the same, uh, in a, I was about to say we're in the same shit. <laughs> we're all in the same boat. So I think it's really at this moment that you, you can, as a salesperson, come in, have a conversation, really ask questions to understand the context and based on the context, then try to position your solution or position your offering, if, if relevant, by the way. Rather than just doing the traditional selling kind of algorithm that has existed in the past. You know, I want to scale sell. Okay, I've got BDR that get meetings. My guys go to meetings. They do a demo that for 30 minutes. After the demo, we ask them if they want to buy. If they don't want to buy, up we move to the next one. I think things have changed. and. Uh, I think it's very important to really look at the challenger sales approach, which, by the way, the book was kind of written originally as part of the, the downturn in 2008 and trying to understand why salespeople were was, was still doing good. Some salespeople were still doing good in the downturn. But yeah, I, I see it as an opportunity from a sales perspective, but I think it, it takes a fundamental change in terms of expectation from sales. And I agree with you that I've had, I have been in the conversation myself with people saying, I need, to, I need you to find me bent qualified opportunities. And I'm like, okay, but you know, at the moment, it's a little bit up in the air and we've got all those people that will be willing to speak to you, don't really have a project as such, but they have an interest and pain points. They need something similar to your stuff, but they are kind of figuring out what they should do. Do you want to speak to them or do you want them to wait until someone else go? 
and kind of influence their mindset and then influence them to potentially buy their solution. So I, I appreciate that there is a bit of a, a balancing act here. And, and I think it's good that you bring that early in the conversation with prospect because setting up expectation, as we know, in a service business is, is critical for the success of the relationship uh, and critical for the success of the program. Now, yeah. you know, one of the disruptive questions that we've always have gotten, I don't know if that's changed or not within the current climate, but it is more expensive to outsource. Is that an objection that you get a lot at the moment? Or do you see people saying, no, I don't care about the cost, I want flexibility? Or do you still have to address the, is it costing more to outsource question? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a question that we've, we, that we've faced you know, consistently probably since our business was, was founded. It's a question that probably is coming up even more than ever as well. And what I would say is I think that has had an impact on probably some you know, longer sales cycles in some instances, or perhaps not longer sales cycles, but uh, more of a, a consensus-based decision whereby there's got to be a lot more sign-off from a lot more individuals at different levels within the business. So it's it, it definitely seen a bit of a shift in terms of the overall pattern of selling. What I would say is that one of the things that, or one of the elements that we're using as a, as a discussion point with prospects and, and clients right now when, when they raise that objection is around, I guess, the, the, the opportunity costs that they could lose if they, if they don't uh, evaluate an outsourcer um, for the right reasons and not just based on price. And, and one of the things right now is that, you know, we're looking at our business and we've seen a lot of changes over the last five to six months. One of the first things is that we've had to probably hire around 35, 36 people in the last three to four months alone. Naturally, that brings, uh, that's, that's been a, a unique challenge in terms of being able to recruit firstly and identify uh, traits and characteristics and, uh, and all of those things when, when not sat in a, a room together. The second thing is the onboarding piece, which is becoming, it was a challenge, but it's something that we could overcome very quickly due to the sheer scale that we're doing it at. Um, because you know, in a very short amount of time, we have the ability to see what's working and not working due to the volume of people coming through the door. And, um, and but going back to the overall, um, overall challenge, you know, when, when, when companies are, are, are evaluating whether we're more expensive or not, we have to talk about the data. And if we look at our business, again, at the scale of it is that we have around 200 people doing the job that our clients may have one or two or even 20 internally. And the reality is the amount of data that we can collect uh, instantly in one day is going to take our clients or prospects 10 days if they've got a team of 20, 200 days if they've got a team of one. It's a lot more challenging for them to keep iterating and refining their process to recruiting and onboarding as they, as they, as they navigate their way through this COVID period. And, um, and so what that means is it increases their risk when they hire and it increases their rate of job abandonment or onboarding abandonment, which is something that is obviously going to always be a challenge. And then moving forward beyond that, even if they, they move through the onboarding, it probably increases their risk of abandonment in the first one or three or six months. And the cost of that, the, essentially the recruitment and retention cost of that, suddenly starts far outweighing the cost of, of working with a company like Operatics because the ability that we have to analyze the data, iterate, refine our, our approach, and make the necessary adjustments in order to ensure that we have a, a solid recruitment process, a seamless transition to the onboarding, and then the support and 
team environment for them to be successful once they get through the door and, 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 and ramp up over their first three or six months. And because of that, we have a really low uh, job abandonment rate and a very high or very quick, I guess, return on our investment in that they can be successful quickly. And so I think the cost objection kind of goes out the window when you have that conversation, because what, what it comes back to is the opportunity cost that's, that's, uh, that's of, of not doing something or evaluating outsourcing partner on that basis than just looking purely at the, uh, at the salary comparison. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's, it's almost like you're speaking about the cost of adaptation. And uh, if you don't adapt quickly, you are in a risky place. And, and basically, with all the data we've got, I mean, I remember the guys like the the team in the US telling me, oh yeah, we're doing a, a state-by-state analysis. So then we can go back to our clients, particularly when, when, when the, the first lockdown was starting to, to take place. And you know, we would see the, the, the Southern region being very responsive still, but we would see New York and the, the New York Metro Boston area. Uh, so kind of East Coast and, and the, the California West Coast parts of the country being pretty much in shutdown. Very difficult to get anyone to respond to anything demos next steps of meetings not taking place people just saying look you know we can't progress anything basically people freezing stuff in some states and some other states being able to uh, still have conversation i remember the shift that the guys put in place in pretty much two weeks three weeks in in going back to all our clients and saying okay well we need to put more efforts in those regions because there is still an appetite in those other regions we see the stats going down and while we can carry on this is not it doesn't make any economical sense to, to keep pushing. So, you know, all, all those three adjustments are really, from my perspective, the cost of the ad- adaptation. And as true as with all the data we've got, we, 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 we can adapt quicker and then we can consult and share those findings, those best practices with other clients. So it does, makes, uh, it does make a lot of sense. I wanted to go back to one thing that you mentioned. It's going to be my last question to you. I wanted to go back to the, the build and transfer model. Uh, so, you know, instead of me explaining what it is and explaining why it's relevant in, in today's market without sourcing, but I guess, you know, the whole point is that we have had to adapt ourselves as well. And we had to make outsourcing more affordable, more pertinent, more relevant for our clients. So can you, can you just touch base on the, on the build and transfer model and uh, the other things that we've developed to, to adapt ourselves to, the, to that ever-changing market at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. So I think in terms of uh, outsourcing, it seems to be a trend that has peaks and troughs over the year based on whatever research is released by um, you know, analyst firms like Gartner or Forrester or CEB over, over the period of years. But having said that, at any one time, I, I think it's clear that at some point, our clients or companies out there will want to have functions internally in, in, for most of their functions in their business. And what we're trying to really do is, uh, is, is offer a solution to work with a company like us for hopefully a long period of time. But if it's for a shorter period of time, they have the ability to actually get more than just a, a, a short ad hoc program with an outsourced company and actually perhaps get the resource from that as well. What we've, uh, we've tried to, to, to develop is um, almost a concept around a conveyor belt of talent, which is we don't want to become a recruitment company. So we're not going to organizations with the the value proposition of we want to be a sourcer of staff for your team. But at the same time, we're giving them the, the ability to test people before they actually hire internally. And ultimately what that means is a couple of things. The first thing is that at times, if, for example, we're working with a startup that are just transitioning from the US to Europe or, or vice versa, 
they may not really have the infrastructure or the team or even an office, whatever that may be, to actually build a team internally. And they may not even have the inclination to do that. But if, if at some point they do want to do that, but perhaps today is not quite the right time, it may be for a one-year period they're very transparent and say, well, look, we want to work with you for 12 months, but at, at, at X point in the future, we want to start building that function internally. And we give them a, a, a kind of seamless way to do that, which is we can work with them for that period of time. They can test the success of a certain resource or resources. They can develop processes, which can be you know, consulted on by us so we can help them to develop processes. We can test the resonance of the message in the market if that's, a, if that's a, a necessary thing to do. We can refine the approach. And then we can get to a point where the resource is fully ramped up, trained, delivering good results, and they have confidence in them. And it's at that point in time that they can recruit that person. And then the knock-on positive impact of that is that when they're hiring that person, it's almost a no-risk hire. So they, they, they skip that piece that I was talking about around job abandonment or boarding abandonment. They, they skip that. Because that person's fully trained, trusted, and ramped up. Now, clearly, there's a, there's a cost that comes along with that, which is very similar to how you'd pay a recruiter. But the value is, is, is for the reasons that I described before. So it's kind of coming a, 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 a lot more of a trend. Again, we don't want to be seen as a recruitment company, but we're giving, the, the, we're giving companies the ability to have a, a seamless kind of transition away from that outsource model to perhaps a hybrid outsource insource model to a to a fully insource model at some point in the future yeah that makes sense that makes perfect sense well thank you very much for your time today danny it was great chatting with you and, and discuss all the topic we, we, we just went through if anyone wants to connect with you i mean we we probably wouldn't know where to find you but i guess linkedin would be the best way yeah that would be uh, that would be the most appropriate way okay cool Great. Many thanks once again. And uh, yeah, it was, it was great to have you in the show. I will see you in the office very soon. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.